When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The deadliest wildfire in U.S. history has happened in the historic town of Lahaina on the island of Maui, with the death toll still climbing. Hundreds of residents still remain unaccounted for, and the official cause of the fires still under investigation. It will take weeks, months, maybe years to know the scope of this disaster. This event reminds me of what happened in Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina made landfall and the levees failed. It took a very long time to put the pieces back together, and there was a lot of finger-pointing at local and federal government in the early stages of the tragedy. What we do know is the weather conditions were perfect for an extraordinary wind event on the island during a very significant dry period for Hawaii. Many say they weren't given warnings, and the stories of being given just moments to decide on where to go was a matter of life or death. It's heartbreaking to watch the images come in, the before and after pictures of homes, livelihoods completely gone, reduced to ash. My friend and colleague Max Gordon from Fox Weather flew to Maui to report on the devastation, the rescue, and recovery this week. Max is from a proud family of firefighters in California and understands firsthand about what can happen when the ingredients are ripe for wildfires to rip through communities. He's experienced a lot of wildfires growing up through his career and is now helping tell the story about what's happening on the ground. I spoke with him this past Wednesday about what he was seeing, the latest information from officials, first responders, and the residents themselves. It's such a critical story that is still unfolding, and Max does a beautiful job conveying what has happened and what's to come. Here's my conversation with Fox Weather's Max Gordon on the Janice Dean podcast. Max Gordon, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, you are in Maui, and you've been there for several days now. What can you tell us yes. about what's happening where, you know, where you're situated? Yeah, so right where we are right now is along the main highway to the town of Lahaina. This was the area that was devastated by these fires that ripped across the island on Tuesday. Now, when we first got here, uh, it was in the late hours on Wednesday. You know, it took us about 24 hours to get mobilized and get on over here. And when we flew in, we still saw fires burning on the island. It was a really shocking thing to see. We got on the ground, you could still smell smoke in the air, there were still fires all over the place. Now things have gradually stabilized. Firefighters have worked on getting those containment lines around the fires, on putting out the hot spots, and really now it's all about the recovery operations, about searching for well, victims of these fires, and about combing through the town of Lahaina. Unfortunately, you know, more than 100 people are confirmed dead. Hundreds still remain mm. missing. 
in the early hours and in the days after the fire ripped through Lahaina, there was no cell coverage, there were no phone lines in the town left. And so people, they just couldn't get a hold of their loved ones, of their friends. And so many people were, were worried about, about these people who are missing. Now, hope is starting to dwindle, unfortunately, that survivors will be found. Uh, there haven't really been any survivors pulled out of the rubble since the very early hours uh, uh, since these fires, you know. Uh, so, unfortunately, right now, it's mainly a recovery operation, um, especially in, in the town of Lahaina. Mm -hmm. Max, what went wrong? I saw on social media today, we're, we're taping this on Wednesday, um, that you retweeted someone... What it looked like a power yeah. line that came down. And from doing yes. research, a lot of these wildfires, you know, are because of downed power lines. Yes, this has especially been the case in California where we've seen PG&E uh, multiple times uh, sparking fires in the wildland. Uh, here on the island of Maui, it does appear that power lines could have played a role. Right now, Hawaiian Electric, that's the power company here, they're facing a class action lawsuit that alleges they ignored weather warnings and kept their lines electrified. So we had very strong winds, we had very dry conditions here on the island. Hawaiian Electric kept those lines electrified and we have a video that shows these lines going down, sparking a fire in the early morning hours, just hours before this fire ripped through the town of Lahaina. So uh, it does appear that, that power lines did play a role here, although it is important to note that right now, it's Wednesday, officials have not named an official cause, but there is a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit against Hawaiian Electric at this time. And for forecasters like us who try to do our best, the National Weather Service knew in advance that we were going to have very strong winds. Yes. We had the setup, a perfect scenario for extraordinarily yeah. uh, strong winds because of this high pressure was that was to the north and then we also had a hurricane but now we're starting to wonder if even that hurricane played a part was it just the high pressure and the winds around that 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 helped you know fan these flames yeah hurricane dora from everything that we've heard is has played a role you know janice i, I i'm gonna just uh make a little uh little kind of note a little asterisk to my title i'm a weather correspondent okay so i i'm not fully versed in the meteorology so i don't want to and i also don't want to claim to be well you know extremely well versed in the meteorology like like a you know meteorologist like yourself but it does appear that you know we had this setup of high winds right 70 80 mile per hour gusts combined with the very dry conditions you know the governor here described this as a fire hurricane mm. this fire moved a mile a minute right so we could have been 10 miles away and it swept through this town and it, it was it could have arrived in 10 minutes mm -hmm. so it was moving extremely quickly and then it got into the town of Lahaina and you had block after block starting to burn down really a domino effect where you had buildings catching each other on fire and the winds when you have winds like that 70 to 80 mile per hour gusts it's really really tough for firefighters to get a handle on something like that and then another complication water pressure in the town of Lahaina dipped drastically. Firefighters started hooking up to hydrants 
that had no water pressure mm. because water was gushing out of buildings that were burning down, right? We have more than 2,200 buildings that were either damaged or destroyed. And so when you have just a catastrophic failure like that, when you have water you know, gushing out of, out of pipes that have been opened up, you have a lack of water pressure for firefighters, really, you know, it was almost a suicide mission for mm. them. They, they had no water pressure. They, you know, what can they do at that point? And so what you saw was people just frantically trying to get out, doing anything that they could, trying to escape. And in some cases, people were not able to drive out. They were stuck in their vehicles. Some people burned to death in mm. their vehicles. Some people had to jump into the ocean to try to save themselves. We've seen videos of people waiting in the bay there, um, looking at the town of Lahaina as it's, you know, looks like just a hellscape. Uh, the Coast Guard having to rescue people out of the ocean who, who jumped into the ocean. Just an absolutely horrific scenario played out. Mm -hmm. And they just didn't have the resources. My husband is a fireman and your family is a uh, yeah. firefighter family. Uh, you know, if this yes. is happening in New York, they have all sorts of engine companies and, and, and firefighters yes. can come from different states. You just don't have the resources. They have a small fire department. They don't have the hospital yeah. facilities that they would need. They don't have burn clinics so it's just it's just a tragic story from all sorts of levels yeah absolutely you know in, in the fire service it's it's called mutual aid as, as we all know you know you have different fire departments helping one another and when you're on the mainland right when you're in a place like California or New York um, you know you can have other fire departments respond within minutes to mm -hmm. come help but here on the island of Maui you're on an island you know you are thousands of miles away from the mainland, right? You're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And so a big challenge here is that really when something goes wrong, help is a long way away. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in this scenario, you had the high winds, very dry conditions, and you had had an inferno on the island in a very small firefighting force, and they just got overwhelmed. Mm. You're from a firefighting family. Um, you know, you've experienced yes. California wildfires. Is there are there similarities to what um, you've yes. experienced out in California? I think probably the closest parallel to this would be the campfire in 2018. Yes. Uh, that was the, the fire that destroyed the town of Paradise. And we've been hearing a lot of parallels to that. Um, you know, it's it's a, a, the main parallel is that it was an urban fire, essentially. It turned, you know, turned from a wildfire into an urban fire and destroyed a town. Um, and, you know, we're seeing more and more of this, especially in California, where we have more homes in the what we call the wildland urban interface, right? We have communities tucked into the mountains. Um, and so we're seeing these wildfires, you know, grow deadlier, grow more destructive because more people are simply living, um, you know, out in the woods. Um, but in this case, though, you know, when we're talking about this specific instance, you know, this is a historic town, the town of Lahaina, the former, uh, you know, a capital of, of Hawaii, um, you know, a town with a lot of historic significance, um, you know, from the way back into the whaling days, uh, a lot of native Hawaiian significance. So this is a, a place that has existed for, for many, many years. It's a favorite tourist destination as well. Um, and to have this happen here, uh, I think has shocked so many people because it isn't a forested area. Mm. Um, you know, really kind of the main uh, vegetation is grasses. And so you had essentially what was a grass fire 
turn into a um, you know into an urban fire where where we had houses just going up left and right. Um, and so yeah, it was it was a unique situation. But I would say that the closest parallel would be the campfire, which was before this fire the deadliest U.S. wildfire in modern history. Uh, but unfortunately, we've seen the death toll rise in this case, more than 100 dead, 106 where we sit right now. And it is now the deadliest U.S. wildfire in the past 100 years. Mm-hmm. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. What are you seeing? Are you, you know, listen, um, I've covered a lot of disasters in my time. Uh, the one thing I notice about them is is obviously it's so tragic. But then, you know, the sun comes yeah. up and people start coming out and helping each other. Strangers helping strangers. It's yeah. like it, it's it's yes. hard to explain how human beings can be just so generous and kind to one another after tragedy yes. strikes. Are you n- witnessing that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I like to say that, that natural disasters like this, they either bring out the worst in humanity or mm. the very best in humanity. And I think that luckily we have seen people coming together, you know, especially on the islands here, the islands of Hawaii. Um, you know, they, they refer to Ohana, family. And I think really everyone here who lives on these islands does feel a part of this community and they do feel a part of a a larger family and they come together to support one another. Um, I've talked to so many folks who just wanted to do anything to help out. You know, I talked to a group of women um, who live here on the islands and they created a, a, a Google Doc, essentially, but just a list of all of the families who needed help, just a, a list of the GoFundMe so people could could help them individually. You know, we had helicopter companies, the, the tourist helicopters that you see on the islands here, ferrying supplies into the affected areas. We had professional surfers taking their jet skis that they use for big wave surfing and jet skiing in supplies. You know, we had just everyday people that we've talked to who just loaded up their trucks, went to Costco, got pallets of water and food and and baby formula, whatever they could fit in the back of their pickup truck, and they just went. There has, though, been a little bit of frustration. Um, Mm. You know, I I have to say, with the local government um, and and really the federal government, there has been frustration on on behalf of the folks here. People feel like the government has not been uh, working fast enough Mm. and that there's been too much red tape and that there has been roadblocks in the way of just people helping people. Um, And so I think there has been some frustration in that sense. But I do want to just return to the fact that there have been so many helpers here. You know, you want to look to the helpers. You want to look to the people who are trying to do good. And there are so many people here who are doing just that. Mm. Listen, I look back to, you know, tragedies like Hurricane Katrina, where it took weeks, months, you know, years in some cases to get to quote unquote, the bottom of what happened and really know the true focus of, um, you know, what went wrong, um, the blame Mm -hmm. game, that kind of thing. Listen, I think there were a lot of mistakes made. I think that we're going to probably learn that. Um, But it does take time. And I think the government is probably worried about, you know, maybe the truth coming out so quickly and not sort of crossing T's and dotting yeah. I's um, because I, I do think 
um, that if it was a case where a power line shouldn't have been active, which is what happens, right, Max? Mm-hmm. If there are strong winds, it's up to that power company yes. uh, to you know take some accountability and do what they can so that something like that doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and Hawaiian Electric, they say that they were following high wind protocols, um, but they they say also that they are going to be conducting an investigation. The the governor, he said that he wants an investigation into what happened. You know, hopefully we learn more answers uh, into why this happened, why things went so wrong, because there are a lot of questions that people have here, right? Uh, This is a town that had sirens uh, for tsunamis and for other natural disasters. There are people who question, why didn't the sirens go off? Mm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of just kind of, uh, I guess, yeah, there's just a lot of questions that, that people have here about why was there such a massive loss of life? Yeah. You know, could this have been prevented somehow? And how can we look to the future to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Well, that's why it's really important for this government and, you know, for our federal government, too, to do an after-action review, yeah. which is what they typically do in disasters like this, where they look at what what went wrong, how they can do better, and not to let these poor lives, you know, be in vain, right? There has to be um, a a reason to look back and to look forward and say, how do we do this better so that this never happens again? And I know I've been to Hawaii. I know, I know what kind of people they are. You know, it's almost a very, like, they are very like of the earth people, you know, they, they, Mm -hmm. they have this spirituality about them um, that I know that will bring them hope and resilience Um, But at the same time, it's like you want accountability. You want answers for your loved ones. Um, And and that's the tough part. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is also important to, to note, you know, while we're talking about the Hawaiian people and, and the folks who live in this community, um, it's going to be a really tough road ahead mm-hmm. when it comes to the rebuilding process. Um, and also, there is already a housing shortage here on the islands. It is so incredibly expensive for folks to, to live here. And this fire just burned up a lot of homes. Of the 2,200 buildings that were burned, I think it's something like 89% were homes. A lot of these homes were shared by, in some cases, multiple families or Mm. families where they had, you know, five, 10, 15 people in a house. And so I think there's a lot of questions about kind of what comes next, how, you know, what happens to this land. And in some cases, fire victims people who might have have relatives loved ones friends who are still missing are now getting calls from developers asking hey can you sell your property Uh. to us and i think there's there are some in and there is has been questions about why is this happening and the governor has even raised the the sort of uh uh, you know, the possibility of a, a moratorium on sales, um, you know, to, to prevent predatory uh, purchases, you know, mm-hmm. from developers. Because what people here don't want is for a developer to come in and snatch up all these properties from the Hawaiian people yes. at rock bottom prices, essentially take adva- taking advantage of a disaster yes. to create another resort. Um, and so, so there are those concerns as well. Um, and also there's the issue of, when do tourists come back? When mm. is it appropriate for people to return to the island? Because 
on one hand, right now is, is definitely not the time, right? Because they're still dealing with so much, uh, resources are stretched thin, um, it, it isn't necessarily the time, but on the other hand, these are people that do rely on the tourism industry. Yes. You know, you have bartenders, you have maids, you have gardeners, you have people who rely on visitors to this island. This is a town of 12,000 people, but they saw tourist visits of about 150,000 a year. You know, a steady stream of people coming to shops and restaurants and bars, etc., and spending money. And when you shut that tap of money off, what is going to happen to these folks? And so there's a lot of looming questions about what happens next. And, you know, I don't think anybody really has a, a clear answer. Mm. Well, I'm so glad that you continue to shine a light on this. How are you doing? I mean, listen, this is this is tough. I, I haven't covered, a, you know, I obviously am at the maps talking about the potential disaster moving in. I've seen what it looks like after a hurricane goes through, but you're at ground zero right now where, um, you know, they haven't, you know, tallied all of the bodies yet. I mean, it's, it's still yeah. devastation you're looking at. How do you deal with, you know, all of those emotions that must come with covering a story like this? Well, Janice, I want to thank you first for, for asking that. That's a, that's very kind of you to, to ask. Um, you know, you, you alluded to, to the fact that I come from a fire family. Hmm. Both my mom and dad are, are now retired Cal Fire firefighters, and they're in the fire industry, uh, in the, the industry of putting out fires and, and responding to people's worst days for a long time. And I really draw a lot of strength from them. Um, you know, I look at their professionalism and the way that they were able to both treat people with compassion, but also not let it affect them personally so that they couldn't move on with their lives. Mm. My job is to tell the stories of the people here. And I need to remain laser focused on that because what I am doing right now is trying to convey to the entire country what is happening here so people know and people can understand and they can process and be more educated about what's happening here. And so, you know, I think just it's all about taking care of myself, making sure that, that the things, you know, you, you can't, you can't not be affected by this, you know, as, as a human being, you know, how can you not be affected by, by so much pain and suffering? But it's all about not letting yourself be too affected to the point where you can't be that vessel for the stories here. Because what my job is, is to be a storyteller and to convey the stories of the people who live here. You do such a great job. And what's the name of the big tree that is the landmark there? Ah, uh, yeah, the banyan tree. The banyan tree that was that was planted out in front of the courthouse. There are, well, there's hope that that, that banyan tree will be able to survive. Uh, I know the state arborist has been looking at it. Um, and you know, it can be a symbol of, of hope for maybe the resilience of this island and that maybe, you know, life can move on. Mm. Um, you know, scarred maybe, but hopefully that banding tree can survive and, and serve as a symbol of hope for what this island can endure. You know, it brings tears to my eyes because uh, at Ground Zero, there is the pear tree that survived uh, yeah. during the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. And my husband, who lost all of his guys that day, my husband was off um, oh. during that fateful day. But it's his favorite part of uh, being yes. down there is seeing that pear tree that survived because it is a it yes. really is a symbol of hope and and life and that um that yes. we have to continue, that we have to move on. We have to yes. not forget, obviously, 
Um, but that beautiful little pear tree yes. that is still surviving 20 some years later, you know, that banyan tree, I hope is a symbol of hope for those beautiful yes. people on Maui. And, um, you're just Absolutely. doing such a wonderful job, Max. I mean, I, you know, oh, you really thank are. Thank you, Janice. So, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> be well and love to your family. And, you know, when you get back, uh, you know, you. I, I would love to speak to you again because I know that we're in the, we're still in the middle of a disaster that we have no clue, you know, still yes. how it happened. And, and, and our thoughts and our prayers really truly are with the, with the Hawaiian people. And, and thank you for continuing to tell this story with compassion and love. Uh, you know what? Um, you really truly are doing a wonderful job of that. So thank you. Well, thank you, Janice. And even though uh, I'm standing over here on Hawaii, I'm giving you a big old hug oh. across the country from, from all the way over here. Aw, thank you, Max. God bless you, my friend. Okay, thank um, you. and thank you for doing this. You're just you're just a, a a good human. Thanks, Janice. Thanks to Max Gordon again for spending some time with us, describing this unfolding tragedy that is happening in Maui. Hawaii is 12 hours ahead of us, so his reporting for us and on Fox News was in the middle of the night. As we were wrapping up our interview, you could hear the rooster calls in the background. It was a sobering reminder that daylight was coming and people are still searching and hoping to find their loved ones. On Thursday this past week, there was a report that 60 survivors were rescued from a single home that was cut off from civilization for over a week. The group sheltered in a residence in the western part of Maui that did not have electricity or cell phone coverage for almost 10 days. You just hope and pray for more stories like that in the days ahead. And by the way, the tree that I was referencing in our interview, the one that still stands at Ground Zero, it's known as the survivor tree after enduring the September 11, 2001 terror attacks at the World Trade Center. According to the 9-11 Memorial, in October of 2001, the severely damaged tree was discovered at Ground Zero, heavily burned with broken branches. It was removed from the rubble and cared for by the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. After it recovered, the tree was returned to the memorial in 2010. New limbs have grown from the burned stumps, and you can clearly see the marks from that tragic day, but also the new beautiful growth that has happened and continues this day. The tree stands as a reminder of resilience, survival, and rebirth. And hopefully, that's what the banyan tree will do for the people of Maui in the days, weeks, years, and decades ahead. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.
Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.